0: Welcome back to Brush Creek Film Review. I'm your host, Buddy Hanson, and today I'm here with Jenny Garman.
1: Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us.
0: This is episode 12, and we're talking about another great documentary film called Trust Me. Check it out. Welcome back, everyone, here today with Jenny Garman. Jenny, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do here at the Kansas City Public Library. Thanks so
1: much for having me on the show. I get to be the legal and government specialist for the Kansas City Public Library. I've been here for a couple of years now, and I really enjoy what I get to do because it's about civic engagement, making sure people are connected to resources and to each other so that they can really thrive Part of that, for me, was highlighted over the November election and the lead-up to that, how important it is to help people sort fact from fiction online. And that's one of the reasons why media literacy is so important to me.
0: Jenny, where are you from, and what's kind of your background?
1: I am an Army brat, which means I was born in North Carolina and spent six months of my life there and then hit the ground running.
0: I have a quick question about that term, Army brat. Oh, Now, I heard you mention this in one of our meetings before when you were introducing yourself. Yeah. Why is it always army brat? Why isn't it like army nerd or something like that?
1: I think it's just an affectionate term. (laughs) It's a part of the community. Like, you know who you are when you can say that you're an army brat. I don't know where it came from.
0: It's a prideful, honorable term.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely.
0: Okay, sorry, I totally interrupted. <laughs>
1: no, you're fine. We moved around. My dad was in the Army for 25 years, and then around the age of 16, we settled down. He retired, and he started teaching history. But then I joined the Air Force right out of high school, so I had three years in the States, and then joined the Air Force and flew off to Ramstein, and that was the beginning of that part of my life. Awesome. Yeah, I switched over to the civilian side, of course, and we moved here about four years ago because my husband found his dream job at UMKC. It's just been awesome for us.
0: Sweet. Go
1: (laughs) They're everywhere.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So Jenny, what's going on this month? Tell us about that.
1: Absolutely. I know, and I, I foreshadowed a little bit talking about how information literacy and media literacy are important to me because we are finishing up this month with Media Literacy Week. Kansas City Public Library, a partner with the National Association of Media Literacy Educators, which I'm going to call NAMLI from now on. Namly hosts the Media Literacy Week, but it's also a global media literacy week. UNESCO has also designated the last week of October just to focus on how important it is to really understand what we're seeing and hearing and reading. So one of my favorite things to do is collaborate, and that's what we've been able to do here at the library because we have the Wikipedia in residence. They are on my team. That's a community reference team. But we also have support from our amazing tech access folks and also one of our frontline staff. Liam is a LTA at our Westport branch, and we've just come together through a shared passion about really wanting to get the word out about media literacy and what does it mean and kind of taking this very jargony Phrase and saying, this is what we mean. So just so we're all on the same page.
0: I'm a little envious of that collaboration because you get to work with a member of our staff with an excellent Australian accent.
1: <laughs> he, he really does. It's marvelous. But what he really brings to the table is his passion for understanding and evaluating information we see online. So Media Literacy Week is with the National Association of Media Literacy Educators and also with UNESCO as part of a Global Literacy Week. And we're following NAMLI's five themes, access, analyze, evaluate, create, and act. And on the first day, access, we have our Wikipedian in residence, Miranda, leading a discussion about the benefits and barriers of open access technology like Wikipedia, but also just discussing how you have to be able to access the information and discussing the digital divide that we have here in Kansas City and how our teams, the tech access and outreach teams, are working to increase community access to technology and to resources. The second day, Analyze, that's the I'll get to do, and I'll just be covering the fundamentals of information, media, and news literacy, kind of breaking down what that means, but also talking about what is misinformation, what is disinformation. And Liam will come on the next day with Evaluate. He'll be highlighting three questions that you can use to evaluate online information. Those three questions were developed by the Stanford History Education Group. The fourth day is all about create. And Miranda will be back and talking about creating and editing in Wikipedia with a focus on Kansas City newspapers. This is important because when people want to know, is this a newspaper I can trust? Is this a journal I can trust? They'll have the more information on Wikipedia. And then the last day we're talking about ACT, about action, and we will be using the news literacy program of how to speak up without starting a showdown. Now that we've talked about, you know, access and analyzing and evaluating and creating, what do you do when you see family and friends, people you care about, sharing false information online? How do you have that conversation? How do you start that conversation? And so, yeah, that's kind of the wrap up. And if you're not going to be joining us in person, they're all virtual events, but they will be recorded. We do have a blog already on KCLibrary.org talking about Media Literacy Week, and we'll have the recordings linked to that blog.
0: Excellent. So, Jenny, for this episode, we're going to put on our uh, thinking glasses. And we're going to zoom in on uh, this documentary film. I just watched this actually very recently.
1: Oh, I'm so glad.
0: Took a few notes. I didn't get through the whole thing, but I got through most of it enough to have a pretty solid idea of what the topics are. Mm -hmm. So do you want to go ahead and introduce us to this film called Trust Me?
1: Absolutely. So and you put on your thinking glasses. I'm going to put on my thinking cap
0: Okay,
1: And what I can tell you is that this is a documentary. You can find it online, of course, if you search for Trust Me Documentary, but you can also find it on Canopy, which is a resource we have at the Kansas City Public Library. And that is a completely free resource for you. It is a feature length documentary. And it really, to me, what it highlights is how much we have in common how we get lost in our phones, whether you're a student or whether you're a grown-up or somewhere in between. We get lost in our phones. We get lost in that world of information that we all have to work through confirmation bias and really consciously look for perspectives that are different from ours. I think that's one of the things I would really want to highlight, how much we have in common. This is not something that's coming from only this side has the right story or this side is spreading fake news. It's really everyone is vulnerable to misinformation.
0: So, five minutes into this documentary, I very quickly started thinking because I'm a bit of a documentary film buff. I kind of gobble them up like they're covered in dark chocolate, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And so I have quite a few references. And I just wanted to run a couple of these by you. I'm sure you've seen some of these. Netflix, for example, I wish we had some of those Netflix films in our resources. But we do have a lot of listeners that are watching Netflix. And so there's a couple of really good films on Netflix that are somewhat newish. The first one that jumped out at me that's very closely tied to this film is called The Social Dilemma. Have you seen that?
1: I have not seen it. My sons have seen it and they speak very highly of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, what that film did for me is it just kind of confirmed all the anxiety in. <laughs> Uh, skepticism that I already kind of (laughs) sensed in regards to social media. So The Social Dilemma is, I would say, a really good one. I I wish we had that maybe someday that'll come through on DVD or something like that, but that's on Netflix. And then there's another one on Netflix, and I haven't checked Canopy to see if this is in there, but a documentary film about Cambridge Analytica. Have you seen that one?
1: I haven't seen that one, but I'm familiar with the story. Again, it's another one of those things that we all have in common. Our data is out there and can be exploited.
0: The Social Dilemma gets really into it. It's a lot of interviews with people from these big companies that we're all familiar with, Facebook, Google, Instagram, and you learn a lot about what's going on at these companies and the just highly sophisticated nature of the technology that we're using so casually, (laughs) you know? Uh So yeah, those two particular films like really jumped out at me as I got into this one. So some of the topics that kind of highlighted in this are, well, it kind of addresses a lot of issues, social media, communication technology, especially. And some of the issues are things like addiction, adolescent and behavior, developmental issues that happen with things like smartphone technology, teen suicide, disinformation, exploitation, fact distortion. And then there was this term that someone mentioned in one of the interviews, he called it polluted information, which I really like that combination there. But so do you want to talk about maybe a couple parts of the film or some of the ideas here?
1: Absolutely. I think it's a real eye-opener. Right at the beginning, they kind of put that very dramatic music. And then the quote keeps getting a different attribution. (laughs) Yeah. And you can just, wait, I can't even trust what you just put up on the screen. So right away, you're engaged with that. I better be skeptical of what I'm being presented with. Yeah. I would be surprised to learn that people really understand how your time, the time that you spend online, and that can really vary, I know, on a whole spectrum, but that's bought by advertisers, and they're all about how they can make more money. and. It's what you click. It's how long you stay on their platform. And that's why they design algorithms. You know, I would say there's good algorithms. There's good recommenders. Hey, if you like this book, you might also like this book. But recommenders and algorithms sometimes can just bring us into an echo chamber or down a rabbit hole that we really didn't intend to go down. You're kind of getting pointed in a direction because you're spending that time and they want to keep you spending that time. The fact that they share in the documentary a billion hours watched on YouTube, a billion hours around the world, and 70% of those are from recommendations. You might like this, or it's just over on the side. I think it's important too that we recognize, and this, and trust me, this documentary does a, a great job of highlighting it doesn't matter who we support, it doesn't matter. Our ideologies, when we are angry and we are afraid, when we feel that us versus them, there's only two sides and one is right and one is wrong. You really want to ask yourself, am I being manipulated with the information that's being presented to me? They have fake news creator that they highlight throughout this documentary. I'm paraphrasing, but it's basically, if you care about something, (laughs) in this case, he, he mentioned your children, but if you care about something, then you are a group that a fake news creator can target. And at the same time, in this same documentary, He acknowledges that it's important, this is a quote, it's important to have the proper information so you can make informed choices. I think everyone wants to know the truth. But he also says selling fear is easy to do and it happens all the time. So we are being sold fear, not by everyone, (laughs) but when you feel that fear, when you feel that, just know that you should start being skeptical and just say, okay, what's really going on here and how can I find out more about the information that was just presented to me that made me feel that way?
0: Yeah, there is a quote that I like, too, that was, what happens online has real offline consequences.
1: Oh, yes. yep.
0: I kind of cherry picked some terms. A couple of these were new to me. A couple of these were familiar to me. So like one term that they mentioned with the targeted marketing is things like trolls and bots.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: I think we're all pretty familiar with that. But if anyone's unfamiliar with that, what's a troll or a bot? What's that about?
1: So what they highlighted in Trust Me was the revealing that pulling back the curtain on the troll industry it is, is an industry. <laughs> and in this case, especially in Russia, they show you in this documentary how they are able to impersonate a person, an organization. And then they put content out there that they hope will bring in a certain amount of attention. And then once they have your attention They start playing games with you. Can we make you angry? Can we make you afraid? And then once they see that they're getting some kind of a reaction, so that's the trolls. Those are the impersonators. Those are the the under-the-bridge people. But the troll farm, the troll industry says, okay, I want to magnify this particular post, this particular social media story. I'm going to send out the bots. (laughs) And the bots...
0: It all sounds like very Terminator and... (laughs) like Schwarzenegger is gonna pop up at some point (laughs) which by the way here's a fun little Terminator game that people can play okay watch the Terminator and then watch Terminator 2 and if you think about that film as just a metaphor like instead of the dramatic you know killer androids if you replace that with like a smartphone (laughs) yeah or bots you know like the kind of bots we're talking about like that film was really predicting the future it really was
1: (laughs) it's an incredible dynamic I'm not going to say that they weren't inspired by that, but yeah. the whole idea of, okay, how can I get people to like this? I don't have to get people to like this. I can create automated accounts that will like, you know, this and that and this and that, and kind of boost my signal for this particular story. And one of the other things that this documentary to me really gets right is not to say, there aren't problems. We don't have issues. That's not what they're saying anyone with their eyes wide open can say, we have divisions, we have problems. And when you talk about disinformation and misinformation and all these attempts to manipulate, we're not trying to gloss over those divisions or those problems. But as we work as people in good faith work together to try to improve our society, there are deliberate efforts. And that's called out very clearly deliberate efforts to exacerbate our problems doesn't mean that they aren't real problems. It just means somebody is really very intentionally trying to prevent healing. Right. And they do talk about terrorists and how they use social media How they build on, this is Professor Melky, and I'm paraphrasing some of what he talks about, like how terrorists, they build on existing grievances. Those are not made up grievances. It's the strategy of ISIS to polarize people. And we're again talking about it's us versus them. And when you find yourself in that us versus them world, ask yourself, am I being manipulated?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Are you familiar with an older documentary called The Corporation? I don't think so. You should check out I'm
1: not a buff like you, buddy.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, we we mentioned this in a previous episode and I will just keep mentioning it because it's so packed full of incredible interviews and incredible stories, but it's also a really well-made documentary. It took quite a bit of time and the writer published a book that came out at the same time that the film came out, so there's a book version. But there's this guy that I discovered in that film that I have followed since I first saw that, which was like at least a decade ago. The guy's name is Charles Kernahan, Charles Kernigan, something like that. He's retired now, but he used to be with this organization that investigates labor issues. So things like sweatshops in other countries and stuff like that. He's really kind of like a private investigator. And there's this segment where you're interviewing him and he's telling these stories about his experiences abroad. And he uses this great expression that he calls the science of exploitation. Okay. Mm hmm. And that resurfaces, that term phrase resurfaces for me over and over again with documentaries that are about social media and technology and a lot of the issues that are discussed throughout. Trust me, I kept recalling that science of exploitation because that's really what's going on when you talk about bad algorithms. (laughs) You know, the evil algorithms and the fact distortion and disinformation. That's really what this stuff breaks down to. There's this incredible science and engineering and market manipulation and all this just sort of nasty stuff happening with with things that seem so harmless and so friendly and so lovable and so addictive (laughs) you know (laughs) these things are just I mean we all know what that social media addiction bite feels like you know and you know I have a college friend of mine he called me up out of the blue one day and he was like hey I'm in your neighborhood and I was like what? oh boy i was like what are you doing in kansas city he was like oh me and my wife decided to unplug and I, he had a term for it some sort of like unplugging vacation where they leave their phones behind and they uh-huh. go out and spend time in the wilderness and completely disconnect from everything and
1: uh-huh yeah
0: There's different forms of that. and I've heard of other people talking about similar things, you know, the whole idea of disconnecting from everything and getting in tune with reality, basically, you know, (laughs) what a bizarre time we live in that like, that's the vacation is unplugging from all the devices that are part of your daily ritual, you know, like a
1: a much more literal timeline cleanse.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's what it is. It's like an electronic cleanse. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, a couple other notes that I took here. Mm-hmm. They talked about bias and a couple of different types of bias. And they use this term confirmation bias and then negativity bias. Do you remember those parts of the story? or? I do. Okay, because those were new terms to me. The trolls and the bots were familiar. Yeah. I know what those are about. But the confirmation bias and negativity bias was new territory for me. So I thought that would be maybe a nice area to kind of talk about.
1: I think it's a really crucial area to talk about because... If you can just be aware of what's going on with what's happening, you know, as you're looking at information or or researching information, it can really open your eyes quite a bit. And confirmation bias is when you look for things that you agree with, (laughs) you don't consciously look to see the other perspective, another way of looking at a problem or a solution. You're just looking for the places where you feel comfortable. And you say, okay, if what you're reading is what you agree with, you stop there. You're like, yep, that's it. That's all I needed to know. When the real answer, when a fuller answer might be out there, just if you keep looking. And if maybe, I'll tell you one thing. Sometimes we use phrases that guarantee, like when we do search terms, that guarantee that we only find what's going to confirm what we think we know.
0: That hurts my brain a little bit. Can you say that one more time?
1: I sure can. (laughs) That how we conduct our searches, I did a a presentation with the Missouri Voter Protection Coalition. One of the things they wanted me to talk about was talk about the impact of the big lie on the November 2020 election and even now. And what I shared with them is if you look up the phrase, the big lie in quotes, you're really going to see left leaning news outlets talking about the big lie. You'll see CNN, you'll see Washington Post. Fox News does not use the big lie. More right-leaning news outlets don't use the term the big lie to refer to the same thing. So we're not even using that same language at all. So just to be aware, okay, if, if I'm looking for impr- like a full picture of the impact of disinformation on the November 2020 election, I need to look for other search terms. Does that help, buddy? Yeah. Okay. And then negativity bias. I'm an optimist. <laughs> Even though I've been on the planet for a few spins, I'm still an optimist. And negativity bias is something I still understand, though, because what you see covered in the news are mostly all the bad things.
0: Yeah, this is exactly the reason I don't follow the news regularly. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, mean, it's just depressing. I mean, I actually kind of admire folks that follow the news regularly, My partner in crime here at home, she follows the news and she's kind of a media buff. So it's just part of her routine. I don't know what the difference is, but for those of us that are like hypersensitive to it, (laughs) but you know, there's only so many incidents of crime and, (laughs) and, you know, emergency situations and
1: things going wrong. And yeah,
0: it's strange because I can read a book about some really serious social issues, you know, and really get something good out of it and you know it doesn't even really depress me or anything but yeah something about just the daily dose of certain types of media like I said I I admire folks that can follow it Mm -hmm. on like a schedule but I have to take it in doses. It's
1: also something though that because we have that negativity bias because we do think oh the world is terrible it's awful like horrible things are happening and horrible things are happening they happen all the time and the negativity bias doesn't say it's not there that's not happening it says hey you know what uh child mortality rates have dropped that doesn't mean it's not a story when a child dies it just means on the whole you know good things have happened like a lot more children are living a lot more children are are making it to adulthood this is a good thing
0: right (laughs) yeah they talked about this with children and all the statistics about how you know statistically children are much safer than they were when like say we were kids you know Yeah. And I immediately thought of bicycle helmets. Mm -hmm. You know, like when I was a kid, no one wore a bicycle helmet. No. And to be honest, most of our serious, most of my own personal serious injuries as a child playing with, you know, friends and stuff in the neighborhood, it was always on a bicycle, you know, (laughs) crashing into trees and, you know, building very dangerous ramps out of inexpensive plywood that probably shouldn't have been used as a toy. And (laughs) The kids today, like they they ride around with bikes that are designed to sustain impact and, you know, they're wearing knee pads and helmets and all this stuff. So that was really interesting. It's an odd juxtaposition where you have fear is on the rise due to technology and social media and all this stuff we're talking about. And trust me. But yet, the statistics are actually on the opposite side of that point, yeah, the statistics are kids are actually much safer than the parents who are terrified about everything when it comes to their children and their safety, and you know
1: you know that's a really good segue because one of the other things they talk about is a really difficult subject, which is anti vax groups. And there's a story here, a very brave mom and dad who are talking about their own experiences and how they had to learn the hard way that vaccines work. For me, hit pretty close to home because my first child was due right around the same time of the reverberations of the Wakefield story, where the person who made the link wrongly between vaccines and autism, and I was struggling with it myself. I said, "What do? what do I do here? Like, what's the right thing? I made it part of my interviews for potential pediatricians. And the one I selected, (laughs) basically, she didn't mince any words. She said, first of all, that has been debunked. Mm -hmm. That whole research study debunked. There's no demonstrable tie between vaccines and autism. But let's say just in some made up world, hypothetically, there would be a tie. She says, would you rather have an autistic child Or a dead child. And she talked about her experiences, you know, working as a resident in clinics with whooping cough patients, with these little babies with whooping cough and completely preventable. Yeah. They do a great job sort of sharing how you get sucked into your fear. You can be sucked into your fear and override science, override the facts, override the expertise of the very same doctors who will help you when you get sick or when your child gets sick. And it was a little bit painful because, of course, this was made pre-COVID. And here we are in a similar environment.
0: Right. Well, and it's funny, too, because there are other aspects of that that go in the other direction. So I'm thinking of things that are like phony marketing For, say, an enormous industry that's constantly changing the rules regarding nutrition and health and nutritional supplements in alternative medicine kind of stuff, you know, like, oh, tofu will increase your intelligence (laughs) by 37.2% if you eat, you know, this much tofu per day. (laughs) whatever you know what I mean like it's an interesting area because stuff like that in this film I I think one of the takeaways for me with this film is that there's a lot of familiar territory so aside from some of the language and the kind of more academic areas that they explain like you were explaining the, the different types of bias you know like I'm not academically calibrated to understand that kind of stuff so this film is really valuable and it's a great resource for that kind of stuff but then overall it's all familiar territory everything they're talking about for the most part, I could identify with and think of aspects of daily life where all those things are relevant.
1: Absolutely. The other thing that I would bring up, too, is that tension between free speech and it having wanting almost someone to make a rule about what's not OK. I was really struck by YouTube saying, well, if the U.S. government would just make the rules that we can't put ISIS recruitment videos on YouTube, well, we would just take them off.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was the president of YouTube that said that. Yeah,
1: yeah. But the whole idea of having an authority who could say this is good speech and that is bad speech. Yeah. To me, it should be a no-brainer that terrorist recruitment videos, (laughs) can we all agree that's not okay? Yeah. But the other thing I think that's important to have as part of your awareness is that the government representatives can call out Facebook, especially. And they had this was from 2017. It was almost four years ago to the day. Really. And they showed this video of then Senator Al Franken talking with Facebook General Counsel Colin Stretch and saying and this is all related to the Russian disinformation campaign for the election and much earlier and he says people are buying ads on your platform with rubles. <laughs> They're political ads <laughs> bought with rubles. <laughs> and how can you not connect those dots? How could you not say this is very likely a bad actor? Or you know, yeah. But at the end of that hearing, that Facebook general counsel would not commit to saying we're going to stop taking foreign currency. <laughs> I mean, like, don't you think that's like low hanging fruit? Yeah. <laughs> like, They could come in and buy it in dollars, (laughs) but they give the red flag of the rubles to say this is coming from somewhere foreign in a deliberate attempt to influence a political campaign. It's pretty wild.
0: Yeah, it's out there that social media is something we should think about, basically.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: No more of this, like, oh, here's this great new thing that everyone's just seems to be irresistibly attracted to, and no one understands why. And oh, I got to get on there too, you know? Mm-hmm. Now there's some awareness with, okay, what is this social media stuff? What is its purpose? What's it doing to me? What's it doing to us? How does it work? The companies that are designing this stuff, what are they doing and how are they doing it? It's bubbled to the surface and there's a social conversation about this stuff now.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: You know, it seemed like not too long ago, the conversation about social media was just, gosh, you really don't know why I'm using this so much. But I, hold on a second, I got a message, you know? (laughs) like, like,
1: (laughs) Buddy, it's because they've figured you out. (laughs) They've figured out how to keep you on longer than you intended.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I went through this, like, I don't know, 15 years ago where I deleted my Facebook account. And I was like, ah, you know. I don't know about this stuff. Like, it's asking me my birthday, and it wants to know all my favorite stuff. And, like, why would this be free? You know, like, (laughs) I was skeptical. And so I took off. And then, you know, I came back a couple years later because I was like, well, I have all these friends. My brother was living overseas, and it was a great way to stay connected, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I got kind of sucked back into it. But you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't that long ago. All this stuff that films like this are stimulating for public discourse You know, we weren't necessarily talking like this, but it was like there was an awareness that like, yeah, there's something wrong here. (laughs) My kids don't talk all evening because they're glued to Facebook or, well, kids aren't even on Facebook anymore. Nope. (laughs) Now it's like, what is it, TikTok or something?
1: (laughs) TikTok, Snapchat, Insta. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you brought up a really great question. How can this be free? Yeah. And now, you know, it's not free. Right. I've never had a Facebook account, but you gave them and you continue to give them your personal data, your likes and dislikes with your clicks. Yeah. And those clicks make them money. (laughs) They're a bajillion dollar industry for a reason because of everyone's clicks and likes and shares.
0: Yeah. It's kind of a marketer's dream tool when you really think about it, the idea of clicking on things and liking things and posting things that you're into. I mean, you're exposing all this personal information on these websites, not to mention the interactivity, just the simple act of clicking on something that you like. You know, what films like this are exposing is that that's not just an innocent feature designed to entertain you. Oh, you can click on things you like, and then you can see what your other friends like. Yay! <laughs> what all that stuff really boils down to is that it's helping marketers better market products to people and ultimately helping the business community make more money and. Yes. Put information where certain parties want the information to be, whether it's true or not, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is films like this are great because I think we're maturing maybe or evolving a little bit, stepping back a little bit from all this stuff to actually think about these things that we're digesting and incorporating into our lives.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> because we have to.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I'm always a big fan of films like this that deal with a collective awareness and and even like uh, my big thing with documentaries and the reason I gobbled them up like dark chocolate is because <laughs> I love conversation stimulators and I'm not the type of film watcher that, you know, oh, that was great. OK, what's for dessert <laughs> you, where you watch a film and it, you just kind of move on with your life? You know, I'm a very deep thinking kind of guy. Like I watch something and I want to turn to whoever's in the room and talk about it (laughs) or go to work the next day and tell them about the film and get their opinion about, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think documentaries do that really well, maybe better than feature films sometimes because they're really designed to be educational. They're really designed to stimulate conversation. And I think if there's anything with this podcast that I hope to do is to really encourage people to watch films and talk about them because i don't think just watching being just a passive kind of observer of these things like that's great and that's fine if you want to do that but i think as librarians and people that are at kind of the nerve center of our community at the kansas city public library it's really kind of our role to help get the resources where they need to be and stimulate these kind of conversations
1: Mm -hmm. And I would just say they end really on a positive note, the way I see it, because there is an answer to all of this. And it really is education. And it's not just education in the classroom for K through 12. It's for all of us. Knowing our power as a consumer and a user of information and that we can all be the helpers. (laughs) That's each one of us can say before I hit share or retweet or out of an emotional impulse that's anger based or fear based. I'm going to take that step back. I'm going to apply some critical thinking to it. And that's what Media Literacy Week can really hone in on. They also highlight, though, news companies and just companies like Facebook, like these social media platforms. They really have to have and work by professional standards and have ethics woven <laughs> into everything that they do. The Stephen Pinker, I think a lot of people would be familiar with him, but I like what he had to say, which was we can solve our problems by subjecting ideas to analysis and to argument then we will all be better off. That's a paraphrase, but that's the general idea of here's our problem. And in this case, here's social media coming at us or this particular post or this particular story, creating fear, creating anger in us. Take that deep breath, take that step back and just say, let me do a little digging. Let me figure out what's going on.
0: Yeah, well, that's a good note to kind of wrap this up an image popped into my head and i have talked about this before but my background's in graphic design and photography so i have a very like active visual imagination okay well so if you ever want to put together like a kind of visual identity for media literacy the image that the, the reoccurring image that keeps popping into my head is eddie furlong and linda hamilton from terminator terminator <laughs> 2 because they were the saviors they saved us, they saved our future <laughs> from the from the machines
1: save us from the machines i you know what? I would love to work with you on that a hundred percent.
0: We need to talk to you know whatever the whatever the company was that has the rights to Terminator and get their permission to use Eddie furlong and Linda Hamilton's image to represent to be the ambassadors for education regarding media literacy. <laughs>
1: I would be happy to work with you on that, buddy. That'd be awesome.
0: Okay. All right, cool. Well, anything else you want to add here uh, to wrap up? What's going on in the the future?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Great question. So I would really encourage everybody to take a look at our calendar at kclibrary.org.
0: Okay. And then Jenny, how can folks get in touch with you at the library? Obviously, real quick, I just want to remind listeners that for every episode of this podcast, we have a PDF document that will be attached to our Brush Creek Film Review webpage. Beneath each episode, there's a PDF that you can click on that's the show notes. And those show notes are really fantastic references, and they're loaded with keywords and links to videos and all sorts of online web reference goodies. But also in there, we'll put things like contact information for guests on the show, and Jenny's information will be on there. But Jenny, you and I work in totally different parts of the Kansas City Public Library. Where are you located, and where can folks reach out if they're looking for like the department to get a hold of you or whatever?
1: Yeah, so I'm based at Central, but I go everywhere. You've seen me at Waldo often enough. (laughs) Yeah. I meet patrons for appointments at different library locations. It's 816-701-3732 is how you can reach me. Or my email is Jenny Garman, that's J-E-N-N-Y-G-A-R-M-O-N at kclibrary.org. I have a page under community reference. Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of guides there, including one called Critical Thinking and Fact-Finding, which kind of distills a lot of what we've talked about, like different tools and fact-checking sites that you can use.
0: Yeah, cool. Okay, I'm going to throw an idea out there for November. Bring it. What about a virtual smartphone burning (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, I would be lost without my smartphone.
0: You know, I'm always for extremes. Like, okay, here, here's like what we want to do, and what can we do to really put it over the top? You know, to really make us shine.
1: How about, how about effigies of our smartphones?
0: Oh, effigies.
1: We could do little projects with cardboard.
0: <laughs> Everyone sets up their computer for the virtual event. Outside, next to the barbecue grill, <laughs> and then you know you you have this dramatic moment in the event where everyone throws their phone onto the grill, and <laughs> the event ends in plastic burning burn up the social media no, no,
1: no <laughs>
0: <laughs> too much
1: an effigy of the smartphone I would do
0: oh, that's too much then,
1: and then we could have smores with dark chocolate and caramel
0: okay. Well, what about a tutorial on how to, like, delete apps or something?
1: Oh, I think that's something I would love to talk with our tech access friends about. Okay. For sure.
0: Okay. Well, I'm just here to help.
1: You're amazing. I appreciate your help.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. right, Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Brush Creek Film Review. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back again.
1: Thanks so much, buddy.
0: That's going to do it. Our digital branch manager is David LaCrombe. Our graphic designer is Levi Hoffmeyer. The show was edited by myself and David LeCrone. And our music is by my pal, the one and only, Granny Finstrom-Clark. Thank you for listening, take care, and we'll see you in the next show.